Welcome to Infinity War and Beyond, the podcast where we subject ourselves to every MCU film, one Marvel Studio film a week, until we reach the blatant grab the cash that is Avengers Infinity War. I'm Christoph, and I guess I'll be your host for this week as we look at Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. As always, joining me is my co-host, Billy. Hey! That was a very upbeat hey. A very, I, I, I would have most described as close. I'm happy today is my anniversary with my partner. That's right. And you're doing what is a tradition on the show now, which is recording, recording the show yes. when it's your anniversary. Exactly. But, you know, much like you, I think it was actually all Thursday as well. We are, we are going to go out on the Friday night. That's nice. Dinner. Yes. No, look, I think that that's a hallmark of being in like a relationship for like a long term relationship is like. It doesn't matter when you celebrate an anniversary, as long as you, like, do something. It's just annoying to go out on a Thursday night. Yes, agreed. Unless you get in the movies, like... Completely agreed. If you're... Like, if I want to go out with my partner and eat and not get blotto... uh, Blotto means getting drunk for... (laughs) Thank you for that clarification. Our (laughs) non-Australian... Yeah, but if you want to get tipsy... Yeah, if you want to get a tipsy... Get a tipsy town. Have a few cocktails. Um, Okay. Sorry. Look, I usually like dick jokes and puns, but tonight I'm not feeling it. Oh, really? I d- I look, I don't, I don't know why. Give it a while, you might be able to feel it. Dude! Alright, alright, yeah. No, so, but so yeah, you, like, you, go you, you don't want to get drunk on the first day. No, not at all. Because you, you have work the next day. Yeah, no, I'm an adult now. I have work to do. Well, look, happy anniversary for you, Billy. Thank you, thank you. And I think, may, I think personally, the more exciting news is the fact that we're almost, in, we're almost through all the Marvel movies, which is ridiculous. Th- th- you're not getting rid of me like that. You know well, I assume we'll still be friends. This isn't like a weird contract where at the end we sort of burn the friendship and never talk again. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's true. I've depends I had... on depends on how you feel after Avengers: Infinity War. That's true. But look, I I can't believe how close we are to the end because I think it was a big undertaking. Yes. Uh, to 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 go through all these films again, given that some of them are fun, some of them are a I, little bit rougher. Yeah. Look, and I have a theory about just because I've been playing a video game. Uh, I've been playing Marvel Superheroes 2. Yes. Uh, Lego Marvel Superheroes 2. And, like, if... Just... See, I mentioned this to a colleague of mine, that you can't help it with social media these days, the way the... Uh, I'm trying to think. The, is it analytics? No. The, the analytics, like... Or the, the way the... How it appears in your feed. How it, like, curates for you, depending on your... Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, you know how Instagram appears out of sync? Yes. Like, what's that called? It's the... I'm trying to think of now the I don't know not acronym uh, algorithm yes yes yeah. so the algorithm it, it, yeah. it's ranking stuff yeah so like when you go to Twitter sometimes or Facebook oh someone like this it'll appear in your feed whereas like um, third party apps they don't have that whole liking thing oh uh, like if you use TweetDeck or something yeah um, and usually like I don't have anything third party for the desktop I just use Twitter and a lot of times it'll appear in your feed oh this is something tweet, someone tweeted a while back or someone like this, you might like it type thing. Yes. And like, I don't usually, like I follow a lot of comic book stuff on Twitter um, and I don't usually go for spoilers or anything or rumours and stuff, but like people talk about rumours that they think for Avengers 4, the next film. Okay, so wait, so this is called Inf- Oh yes, yeah, so, so this three. one's Sorry, Infinity I got, I got War, confused. but they're not revealing what the fourth film will be about until the end of mm. Infinity War. And I'm just—I have a theory in my head just because I've been playing a game at the moment. Okay, yeah. What? Okay, hit me with the theory. What is it? Well, apparently, like, 
I don't. It's not really. I don't want it to spoil anything. But if the villain, if it's the type of film I think it might be, I hope the villain for Avengers Four is Kang. Oh, okay. I think what you're getting at is that there might be like either alternative reality or time travel shenanigans. Yeah, just because okay. in the in the and some of the set photos, um, this isn't really spoiling anything. Well, it's not. It's not confirmed to be truth. I don't think it's. You can't exactly. spoil something in the future. Yeah, but you're seeing some of the actors in their old. Like you've, you've apparently in some of the set photos, you can see Chris Hemsworth in his really bad wigs from Thor one and two. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's. It would be cool to see Kang on the screen. I don't think it's ridiculous to uh, to speculate that there's going to be some sort of time travel or at least alternative reality stuff. Because, yeah. I mean, I think we've all seen this a long time coming given that the universe is 10 years old at this point. Mm-hmm. This year it turns 10 years old. And a lot of these actors, their contracts are, are either like expired, coming, yeah. coming up, and they can all demand insane paychecks now. So it would make sense that Disney has a plan and Marvel have a plan yeah. to, to recast some of these roles. And also, as we discussed last week, the hand-fistedness of like the Eye of Agamotto being the time oh, stone. Oh, yeah, that's a good... That's a really which you didn't point. like, and I frowned upon a little bit as well. Yeah, it was like a little bit, a little bit too much. Because even in the Lego Marvel Superheroes game, because um, each character in the game... It's made out of Lego? Pa- yes, but also has a certain power. So, like, you know, one character yeah. is a flying one, can shoot fire and melt certain things. Yeah, it sounds very similar to Lego Batman in that way, where yeah. there's, like, a couple of powers and you can hit buttons. Well, Doctor, Doctor Strange in that can turn back time on Lego set pieces. Okay. So it's like they're really pushing that home, that Doctor Strange... Is a time guy. Yeah, as the Eye of Agamotto and all that. Which I kind of like doing it crossway, but I hope it doesn't... hope all of this stuff doesn't get shoved into the comics as well. It probably will at some point. I mean, we've talked about it a little bit before. I don't know. I can't remember how much we... We've definitely talked about how we get frustrated that the success of the films doesn't seem to... Marvel Marvel and Disney don't seem to have a mechanism to feed that in to encourage people to pick up comic books. Mm. But, I mean, we have noticed that the comic books, ironically, even though they're not promoting people who like the films to go, go read the comic books, the comic books are often pushed and slowly becoming more in line. Yeah, like, the look of characters look like the actors in the mm. movie. But a lot of the stuff... Some of the stuff hasn't changed. They don't wipe away a lot of things, or they just do a new sort of... I guess... They don't wipe things away. Sometimes it's just like the costume might look a little bit more in line with the costume on screen, or like Coulson was now in the comic books, or, you know, that's... I I think movie characters... Or like Nick Fury is now... You know, instead of being the old Nick, sort of white uh, this series, is, this, that is the funniest one. It, it looks so, like uh, what's his name? It's for our listeners at home, Nick Fury in the comics has always been white. Yes, um, in the Ultimate Universe, I believe he was African American. Yeah, he was African American in the Ultimate Universe. So, to make the Nick Fury in the current universe a person of color, what they made out was that Nick Fury had an affair with a Shield agent who she's a person of colour, and so now the child is yeah, black. Mm. And in the reveal of all that, like... Um, Did that happen in the original Sin? The original Sin event? Yeah, it was a fallout of original Sin. Okay. Um, or just before original Sin. And we're, of course, talking about the uh, the Marvel Comics event, not the biblical concept. Yeah. Oh, no. In case you thought you've tuned into a very different sort of podcast. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, this character, I can't even remember, this character had a different name. 
and then by the end of the storyline, he loses an eye. Yes, and has an eye patch, and then like they say to him, "Oh, your actual real name is Nicholas Fury yes. Junior." And so now this is you, Nick Fury. You know what it reminds me of that Simpsons episode where you find out Principal Skinner usurped someone else's identity, and then at the end he just becomes printed. Then it's like, exactly. oh, you can be Principal Skinner. Yeah, it sounds. I feel like Marvel copied the Simpsons. That's what's happened. Right. Look, as much as I could talk to you about weird, uh, like comic book events and continuity all day, shall we? Shall we roll the trailer into the discussion about Guardians Ga- of the Galaxy Volume Two? Volume Two. Let's let's do it. The fate of the universe lies on your shoulders. Now, whatever you do, don't push this button. Because that will set off the bomb immediately, and we'll all be dead. Now repeat back what I just said. I agree. No! No, that's the button that will kill everyone! Try again. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh-huh. I agree. No! Showtime, a-holes! Ah! Yeah, I feel a general unselfish love for just about everybody. No, sexual love. No, no, I don't. For her. No. <laughs> she just told everyone your deepest, darkest secret. Dude, <laughs> come on. I think you're overreacting a little bit. You must be so embarrassed. <laughs> do me, do me, do me. Alright, so now we're going to dive into a segment we call Context. It's where we talk a little bit about like when the world were, what the world was like when this film came out all of last year. Uh, maybe, you know, uh, what our expectations were like. And then we also give you sort of the hard stats. So the box office numbers, when it came out, uh, we often do a Rotten Tomatoes ranking as well. We talk about the actors and we sort of just give, like a segment suggests, a little bit of context to this film. So, Billy, what, how were your expectations set for this film? Well, I think... How many years had it been since the first would have been Would have been three, because Guardians came out in 2014, and this came out last year. Okay, well, my expe- that's, I think that's my problem. My expectations were high, because I liked the Guardians of the Galaxy as a series, comic book-wise. Yeah, so you, you liked the characters and yeah, the concept. Yeah, I liked the characters and the concept, and I liked the original, the first film. Yeah, well, it's and one I, of the better better Marvel... Like, it's probably, you know, it's definitely in the top ten Marvel films, yeah. maybe even top five. And I do like James Gunn as director sometimes. Yeah, okay. Like, I feel like it's better when he's reined in a little bit. 
I think what I realised when we were watching this film is that James Gunn, I think he's a good director. I think he's a bad screenwriter. Yeah. I think he's not a good... I think he just... If someone else writes him the script, like, or as he happened in the first one, you know, it was co-written uh, him and another screenwriter. Mm-hmm. And the script was really solid. And then he's directing, like, he's out, he knows the story. He brings it to life. He knows what he wants to do. Yeah. And this, and I'll talk, we'll talk about it in pickups. But, like, some of the shots and the ways specific scenes were shot and shown, I thought were really interesting in this film. Um, particularly that opening scene with Baby Groot. Yes. Like, it's really clever, but the actual character work and plot, for me, wasn't there. And I think this was James Gunn coming back, being trying to outdo himself, and, yeah. and just falling somewhat flat. And if you listen to our um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 um, podcast. podcast episode, um, you'll know that James Gunn did, I think, write a tiny bit, or altered a tiny bit of the script that had already originally been written. For one. For one. So was, there were multiple, I think there were multiple Oh, wow, writers. so he pretty much didn't write the first script. No, I think he more expanded on. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. No, so, what, that explains, that actually explains why... Actually, you know what, I can double check. Why a lot of the the issues I had with this, this second film one didn't have with the first. Well, look, let's talk about context a bit more first okay. before we go into um before we go into pickups territory. So, Billy, uh, could you run us through the numbers of how this did sure at the thing. old box office? So, uh, it was re- as we discussed, it was released in uh, last June, 2017. Um, so, it came out May 5th. Um, so, but pretty much, like, directly three years. Because yeah. I think Guardians were either, like... Was it May that it came out in 2014? It came out sort of mid... That sort of mid-year. Yeah. Um, and as we mentioned, it was directed... It's directed and story by James Gunn. Who um, it's done Scooby Doo, Scooby Doo Two, fucking Scooby Doo. I will never forgive Mr. Gunn for that first Scooby Doo. I've film. it's been a long time since I've watched it. I'm tempted to go for a rewatch because I do like Scooby Doo, um, as like like as a concept. Yeah, well, you dressed up as Velma, so I assume you have some faith yes, in the franchise. Um, Dawn of the Dead, um, Slither, which I can't even remember if I've seen Slither. PG porn and super super is very heavy. I haven't yeah. haven't seen it in a very long time. I it is full on. You cannot watch it if you're in a bad mood. I watched you need the, to be in a good mood. I went to like the Newtown Underground Film Festival to watch that film because oh I like thought the trailer was great and thought it was the best. And I remember enjoying it the first time. Then I rewatched it. And was like, oh, this is actually terrible. Yeah, this is like so. I don't think it's a particularly great film. And I think again, it's the I think it's the writing. Um, so the budget was two hundred million, which is about um, on. It's on the higher end, but I mean, it's not uncommon for a lot of these films to have about that budget. Yeah, um, Iron Man One was one hundred fifty million. For yeah, a, for it, the budget for the first Guardians film was one hundred and forty million. Oh wow! So it so, is a significant upgrade. Yeah, so sixty million. Um, that sixty million though, um, extra sixty million. The box office takings for Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Was eight hundred and sixty-four million. Okay. Wow. Um, which was an increase of the first one. The first one was five hundred and twenty million. Which... I'm actually really surprised, but I think again at this point the Marvel machine is so big that every Marvel movie at this point, regardless of what the movie, regardless of what the actual character is and the creative team, it's gonna sort of is guaranteed a certain threshold of success regardless. Yes. And then the particularly good movies like Black Panther. You know, build off that success and, and do and tenfold. Rise and rise and yeah. rise. 
Um, from what I can gather, uh, it was an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes and was mostly well received. 82%? I feel like that's very generous for this film. Yeah, but it was a lower than the first film, which I was th- 91%. I think it should be. I would be, um, I would be concerned if people on Rotten Tomatoes, if the critics gave this a better. And this is also pre-Rotten Tomatoes getting That's right, getting crazy. mobbed. White, yeah. pe- white people mobbed. Yeah, because it started to get mobbed and people going en masse to make a film look crap by giving it a bad review, which is stupid. Um, but yeah, so that's the box office figures. So before we dive into the pickups, uh, two things I'd like to talk about. First, uh, just the list of cast in this film. So obviously mm-hmm. we have uh, Chris Pratt returning as Star-Lord, Zoe yep. Saldana returning as Gamora, Batista returning as Drax, Vin, yep. Vin Diesel returning as Groot, mm-hmm. and Bradley Cooper returning as Rocket Raccoon. Michael Rooker, Rooker returning as Yondu, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I look. I, I was. I think I was vocal about this in the Guardians episode. I think Yondu is a rubbish character, and one of the reasons why I dislike this movie so much, in comparison to the first one, is, is it because they try to humanize Yondu. It's because he he plays way too much of a role. Um, so some of the other people who were just brought in, or some of the actors who were brought in just for this film, um, include. We uh, we got um, Stallone. Yeah, um, Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone, who's playing um, some. No, he's playing. Look, okay. So we talked about this in the last episode of Guardians. There was an original series of Guardians of the Galaxy, um, like comic book before the current run. Oh, I know. So what... and it had like Yondu's character was in it. Yondu was an archer who could. He's a his arrows could fly and meet their target. Uh, there was also Steven's well, not Stephen Stallone, but there was um, the character Stallone plays, which is, um, I think, Starhawk. Okay. Um, that feels like a very Stallone character, doesn't it? Starhawk. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, Stakao Goa. Yeah, Starhawk. Um, then there were some other characters as well, who you see, like, right at the end... Um, I remember remember amongst that group was the actress and I can't remember her name but who plays the um, the captain in Michelle uh, Yeoh yeah Michelle Yeoh who plays the captain in the new series of Star Trek yes Star Trek Discovery, um, I thought it was yeah fun. so there was Michelle Yeoh who plays Alita O'God um, Vin Rames who plays Charlie 27 Michael Rosenbaum who plays Martin X um, Michael Rosenbaum yeah. of uh, Smallville fame yes he's the um, shiny shiny like looking crystal oh, yes. who's next to Stallone okay. in the film um, and also there was the CGI CG character of Kruger near the end you see all this near the end of the film it's one yeah. of the post credit scenes yes and they're also holding like a um, a robot head yeah uh, who's voiced by Miley Cyrus are you serious yeah wow okay. yes um, but yeah so yeah it's they brought in a few characters for that um, so in terms of people who play sort of a, a slightly larger role in the film, we've got, of course, Kurt Russell as Ego, the living planet. Yes. Um, we've got... Pom Clementife. Uh, as who, Mantis. Yes, Mantis. And then... Uh, also, Karen Gillian returns as Nebula. Yeah, and I feel like that's the main the main cast. Yeah, oh, there's Elizabeth... Uh, the Becky. Becky, who's playing a- Aisha. Who's sort of the high priestess of the Sovereign. Yes. Um, in the comics... We'll go into it in the pickups, actually. It's yeah. probably better. No worries. Um, and then finally, the other thing I wanted to sort of quickly uh, talk about were some of the uh, the heavy-hitting songs from the Guardians 2 playlist. So I'll just mention a couple that were a bit bigger. 
Because for me, out of this uh, soundtrack, there are a lot of misses. Yeah, it didn't feel as grand, but then we we also have mentioned off the podcast, we feel that it's almost like Guardians of the Galaxy 1 was a detriment to Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah. Like, it was so good. I don't know if it's that. I, I Like, I think it was really good, but or I think... Playlist-wise, I mean. Oh, yeah. No, totally, yes. And then it was sort of... He set himself this un, this unbeatable goal of, like, top this playlist. Yeah. Some of the song tracks that do stand out, at least in my mind, were Mr. Blue Sky by Electric Light Orchestra, which opens the film. Fox on the Run by BC Sweet. The Chain by Fleetwood Mac, which is a very good song. I thoroughly enjoy you it. You look so sleazy, but just... I did, about like... to do, like, the... Uh, Chef Kiss, yeah. Um, Father and Son by Cat Stevens, and mm-hmm. I Surrender by Cheap Trick. Uh, sort of summed it up. Was that was Cat Stevens? Was that his name after? No, King that was before he he converted. He's now known as to Islam. He's now known as creatively enough Yusuf Islam. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I was curious if it was his name before or after. And that's why I assume people listen to the podcast to find out about what Cat Stevens is up well, to and his journey of faith. Yeah, well, you're you're a man of faith. You know? No, not at all. We've, I grew up in the church. Yeah, I did no, grow up in the church. We've that's, discussed your knowledge of religious. That's music. true. I seem I seem to have I seem to know way too Jesus much. Jesus is still all right with me. Okay, so this is a weird tangent, but that particular band, yes, uh, called DC Talk. Um, my wife grew up with one of their albums, and she played me one of their songs, and the song is called. This is a throwback to which episode? Oh, this was the first. Ironically, I'm pretty sure it was the first Guardians episode where we did, oh my we God. delved into the Christian rock. Well done. Um, anyway, the song by DC Talk, and the song is like a super sexy '90s sort of kind of pseudo R and B thing. '90s, early 2000s. The song's called "I Don't Want It." Yeah. And the and the chorus is "I don't want it, your sex for now. I don't want it, your sex right now." So it's like a really funky, sexy, abstinence song. God. Well, what was it? I was watching. Um... I, was, I know it's non-Marvel at the moment, but I was watching something recently, um, Call Girl 6, which is one of... Oh, I'm trying to think of the, the director. Yeah. Spike Lee. Spike, yep. One of Spike Lee's films. Um, his lists are known films. Well, more because I think it panned when it came out, but now it's good. Okay. Um, and a lot of the music on there was curated by Prince. And mm-hmm. I didn't realise Prince has done a lot of music that he's not... Not many people realise is a Prince song. In what way that like, doesn't sound written, like classic Prince? Oh, yeah. Like, nothing compares to you. Oh. That's a Prince song. Oh, is it more that they were popularised by other performers? Yeah. So we don't associate but yeah, them one with of, Prince. Um, one of Prince's um, side bands that he made yep. was... Um, I'm trying to think of the name. It's um, the Vanity Six, and it's like these three ladies, and the song's called Nast- Nasty Girl. But... <laughs> I found out recently, just because we're on a biblical discussion, yeah. um, the lead singer of it uh, found faith and is a minister and has pretty much wiped... I was going to say, she. I assume she's renounced her involvement in Nasty Girl. Yeah, Nasty Girl. Now she's, yeah. now she's God's Nasty Girl. Yes. <laughs> wow. Wow, you went there. Okay. I, I, I anyway, let's um, go back to... Shall we, look, shall we dive into pickups, Billy? Yes, let's dive into pickups. All right, so for people who are unfamiliar with the podcast... Pickups is where we like to 
Um, so we don't cover the entire film. What we do is we like to... Everyone's seen these films either once or twice, or maybe three or four times. We like to pick apart certain things that we feel like we want to expand on or discuss yeah. or make mention. They could be Easter eggs, they could be music. They could be things that we sort of only really noticed on this latest viewing. Or things that really piss us off. Yeah, which is usually, which I'll be honest, is usually my shtick. I mean, I mean, feel free to feel free to come on over to the anchor. Yeah, lane. I think I might be going on to your dark side at the moment for this episode. Do you want to start giving your hosting this week? All right. Um, so so much to talk about, but I'm gonna I'm gonna dive in with my key gripe about this. Film. Okay, go. And that is the I'm gonna say it the gross misuse of Cat Stevens' amazing song "Father and Son," which okay, so Cat, this, everyone knows this song. Uh, if you know if you don't doesn't like if the name doesn't ring a bell like YouTube it and you'll be like oh yeah that song anyway it's a powerful song about fathers and sons and growing up and fatherhood and and it's a great song I think it's one of the best songs of all time and this music absolutely uses this this song to emotionally carry a scene that otherwise would have no level to, level to it. The scene where it. they were throwing the energy ball to each other. Not the scene where they're throwing the energy ball. The scene at Yondu's funeral. Sorry everyone, I live near near an airport. Air path. <laughs> Continue. Um Oh wait, so funeral his funeral. So when they're having the space Viking thing funeral for Yondu, and to me, I've said this before, I don't really like the character of Yondu and I didn't like that his arc took up so much of this movie. Yeah, I really I think they wanted to really ham home that like, you know, he was a father. He was the surrogate father to... But it wasn't... It Peter. wasn't... Earned, and it wasn't shown in any meaningful way. A quick montage of him coming good at the end didn't really would, show it for it me. It would have been okay if the seeds were planted for that in the first Yes, time. which they didn't. It, it was like almost like the seeds were kind of planted, but two yards over the, in the other opposite direction. Yeah. Like, like Yondu is... Made, like, in the first one, he was sort of this... Sleazy, sleazy, untrustworthy guy. And there's even that plot point where you think he's going to betray the Guardians mm. uh, to Ronan because I think Ronan offers him a whole bunch of money. And they sort of, the film leads you to believe that Yondu's going to say yes. Yeah. And then he decides not to, and that's almost surprising. But anyway, to bring it back, I don't think that when that funeral happened, did that scene have emotional weight for you? Because for me, it didn't. But then I the song coaxes the emotional reaction out of me because that I song think, is yeah. so strong. I think it's the song that coaxes yeah. the emotional reaction. And that to me I is, mean, is bad writing. If it's a song doing the heavy lifting for you. Well, I mean, for me, it felt like a felt emotional thing when Yondu died. Um, because I, I didn't feel. I felt relieved. That's because you're evil. It's because I don't like the character. Yeah, okay. He's like a weird southern guy and I, like in space and the the whistling... Maybe not southern, but he's like got a very specific type of American accent and he's in space and he has like the whistle and I just... It gripes you. It, yeah, it does. I just... Sorry, I don't know why I can't the handle the character. But yeah. Um... Alright, okay, no, that's fine. Look, yeah, a, a song shouldn't have to carry. A, no. song should, a song should accompany a scene. It should enhance a feeling that's already there. And yeah. I think the song was creating a feeling that otherwise wouldn't have been there. Alright, All Billy, right. my gripe's over. What would you like to discuss? Possibly, like, the misuse of characters in this. Misuse is a, it's a common theme for this film. Like, for example, not all characters had story art. No. Which was kind of shit. Like Drax, for example. I, I was thinking the same thing. They absolutely wasted, squandered his yeah. character. 
Like, what's Strax's purpose? The talks between him and Mantis were great. Like, don't get me wrong. Some Mantis, of them were. Yeah, Not Mantis all of them touches him and, like, you know, she feels all his pain uh, from losing his family, which is beautiful. But then you're expecting, because of the way this film has been for most of the film, you're expecting, like, you're waiting for a scene for something to happen, like, oops! And, and then, like, him to say something stupid, which is, like, forced laughter it's almost like yeah it's almost like there would be like a laugh track or something straight away they i i think they relegate him to comic relief and whereas he he was in the first film but he did have a story and and also Uh, he had a heart to him and he played a role in the team that wasn't just wasn't just comic relief yeah because i don't know how you feel about this billy but that scene where mantis touches him and cries i thought that was really powerful No, i thought that was beautiful and i thought it was a real stupid move that they didn't talk about that arc because for me because in the first film obviously his his character arc is he wants to kill Ronan and he thinks he can do it to get revenge for his to avenge his family he thinks he can do it alone he learns he has to do it as a team in this film I'd love to see him do the uh, sort of have to go through the arc of he's, he's got his revenge now yeah and what happens next and how does he process that grief and move on from the fact that his family died but instead he just stagnates well, the other thing I was going to say is, like, in regards to the misuse, there's, then you've got that on the opposite spectrum, which is, like, like there was a lot of scenes that, and story arcs which felt forced. Like... Could you, uh, I've got some in my mind, but I'm keen to, I'm keen to hear which one you sort of felt. Like, like yon, the bit with Yondu and Rocket. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. You're me. Like, that would have been great if that scene naturally occurred, it, but it felt way too forced. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then, as with most of the serious scenes in this, it's kind of like you're expecting for a laugh to happen, but nothing happens. It's because mm. you've been programmed for this film. Oh, something serious happened? Laugh straight away. Mm. Um, yeah, I think the comedy was fairly... I won't go into it heaps, but... The comedy was fairly mismanaged, and I think it actually took away from some of the what could have been more serious points in this film. Yeah, which I feel like is possibly. So I mean, I'm going to go over with this. I feel like that is an editing point. Like I've talked, I talk about this a lot with various films when I when people ask my opinion on it. I feel like like there's a way to edit a film. Like it doesn't have to be two and a half hours if you. You can edit a film to be smooth. It's almost like how we edit the po- like edit a podcast. You can have it sort of like a lot of the times when we're talking, we'll take a while to respond. I might cut up the the sound in between or something, or leave it to cause a reaction. But like you can edit a film in a certain way so it flows naturally. Well, that's part of film craft, yeah, right? And economy, of, economy of story. What's the minimum scenes and the minimum things we need to be able to create this feeling and create this narrative flow? And I feel like there wasn't a lot of good editing in this. Um, and another thing I think mm. is... I so think we, a bit, to that point, Billy, I think part of that was because a lot of the scenes felt like they were chasing the comedy instead of what the story point was. Well, let the comedy happen naturally like the first one. Yeah. Um... We've talked before about how there was a breakup with um, Marvel TV and Marvel movies, um, mm. where um, Feige actually um, was given the role of just looking after the movies and he reported to Disney, whereas Ike Palumina, who we've talked about on various um, uh, podcast episodes, 
he was very heavy-handed, um, and his sort of group that he set, like, oh, yeah, no, this, this, and this has to be in, this, 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 the Marvel Creative Council or something, and there are a lot of reasons why some of the shit things that's happened in previous Marvel films, like, no, like, a lot of female villains were not made to be the main villain, like in mm. Iron Man 3, they ended up becoming, like, second tier, or, um, no no um, toys were created for certain um, characters and stuff. Well, I mean, Disney's had this problem in general with yeah. uh, where's the where's Ray debacle from the first Star Wars film where there were, it was impossible to find Ray toys. And well, I don't even think there was a Ray that, piece in the Star Wars Monopoly On set. that, I'll have to disagree because a lot of the times I went to... I, went, I looked into that and there was a lot of Ray toys. I feel like people just didn't see it or Ray was too popular. Because there was a lot of times I could find Ray toys. That might have been later that they... I, look, I'm, I'm not yeah. quite sure how that's anyway, we're out. not talking about Star Wars here. Even the same, even a kind of similar universe. Um, but, but yeah, I... I yeah, I look, I... Oh, what, yeah, what I was trying to say is that... <laughs> just I feel like maybe... No, no, it's right. I feel like they were testing the waters with this film. So this is the first film... Testing the waters for what? Well, this is the first film with no outside influence. So oh. it's very much just like... Do your shit. You have free space yeah. to do whatever you want, and I, this is what happened. So after the the results of this film, we get a better film in that Spider Man. Yes, and uh, Thor Ragnarok. So do you think this is sort of like the Jesus film in the sense that it kind of sucked because James Gunn not sucked, but it a lot of the issues that I had with this film was because it felt like James Gunn could do whatever he wanted. And then they actually sort of figured out that balance between freedom and control. Yes, in Spider Man and Thor Ragnarok. Yes. I actually think Thor Ragnarok goes too, flies too far towards control, and on that episode we'll talk about that. I think that I think there was maybe the studio was a bit too heavy-handed in certain things that had to be in that film. But okay. so, uh, but I would agree with you on Homecoming, on okay. Spider-Man Homecoming. I can't believe I'm saying this, but the next point I want to bring up is something I liked about the film, and it's Baby Groot. Uh, I cool. was I think that end scene in the first one, the first Guardians film where we had sort of Baby Groot dancing around, was a little bit like schmaltzy and felt pandering-ish, and I was concerned about the characterization of Baby Groot in this mm. film. But for the most part, I liked the way that the character was used. Do you think... So, he, Gunn has come out and said that this isn't the Groot from the first film, in that, like... Oh, so it's like a different Groot. Like, it's a, it's a shoot... Like a shooters in a plant shoot off Groot. Yes. Groot. So that means this is a totally different Groot. Do you believe that or no? Like in the comics, it's more yeah. Groot regrows himself. But I don't see how that's any different. I mean, the character of Groot isn't so deep that, like, like the character is so d- deliberately one dimensional that oh, yeah. who cares if it's a different Groot? Like, I, to me, that doesn't really bother me. No, it doesn't either. What I, I guess you, I guess that makes sense given that this sort of baby Groot. Especially in that really great opening scene where he's sort of dancing around to um, Mr. Blue Sky by Electric Light Orchestra and then the Guardians are fighting the interdimensional beast in the background. Yes. Uh, he's sort of got this childlike enthusiasm about the world and wonder and sort of you get to... And so I, I just like that you kind of get to enjoy this universe from his young perspective. Mm. And I also love the way that there's a lot of scenes where they're like, oh, who's holding Groot? Put Groot's seatbelt on. Like his the baby that sort of forces these people to be like a family because they yes. all care about Groot. Yeah, and they do. And he Except can... Drax doesn't like dancing. That's true. I like that, that they explained that kind of. He hates dancing. 
I just felt like they didn't need like it, yeah. it. It felt like James Gunn was chasing a lot of the themes that, or things I think that he thought people liked from the first film, and I think it felt like he was maybe chasing a little bit too aggressively, like the eighties and seventies reference or seventies references. No, they would have been eighties references. Okay. The eighty like the amount of eighties references in this were a little bit too much for me, and also Peter like Pete's love of the music and how he like goes on about certain songs and how much he loved them and stuff also felt a little bit like this with James Gunn telling us how much he loves certain songs. Yeah. All right, what about... How did you feel about Gamora and uh, Nebula and their relationship? Uh, the, the sister relationship? Yeah. I actually yeah, I liked it. I think it was, it was one, one of... The, oh, you go. I was going to say it's one of the better stories. Yeah, episodes. I was actually about to say the same thing. I think in terms of the, the arcs and storylines, it mm. was one of the better ones and I like the fact at the end of the film Gamora's going right in space trying to figure out a way to you know kill Thanos so which Nebula. I, I Nebula sorry not Gamora so I feel like it's a good time and my guess is she'll show up in Infinity War yeah because I mean Infinity War the Guardians is set like I think four or five years after Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 really or at least yeah, it's a whole film four. about five years later than my well, well Guardians of the Galaxy 1 uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is set like three or four months after the Oh, Galaxy okay, alright. Yeah. Um, no, that, that makes sense because it seems like, because at the beginning of the film they're pretty much doing, like, it seems like they're doing mercenary jobs based on the fact that they uh, save Xandar people are now keen to hire them to yeah. do that stuff. So it would um, make sense that that's a short timeline. Yeah, well, this story, story arc between them, this is one that actually, like, you know, built on properly and naturally on what was in the first film. Yeah. Okay. I yeah, I would agree, and I think it also feeds into this film is about family, right? Yeah. Uh, I th- I mean, the first one was too, in some extent, but it was about. Oh a no! Family. It, it dribbled a little bit about how, like you know, they were sis- they are sisters, mm. kind of like adoptive sisters, and you know, um, Thanos would used to replace. Nebula with a mechanical body. Yeah. Balance. Surprise! Surprise! Thanos is a shitty dad. Oh, he's a dickhead dad. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's uh, not a not a great dad. Although he looks the part and will look great in a Hawaiian shirt without his hat on. You know, he talked about weird yes. divorced dad Thanos with his weird bald head. Um, what did you think? What's your next up? Yeah, all right. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about family? And, okay. Because I think that was a the theme of this film. Oh, yeah, big time. Um, I think... I don't really think it had anything interesting to say about family. Apart from... Because like, what it sort of said was like... Uh, family aren't your blood relatives it's you know it's who you choose yeah and to me that wasn't a particularly profound or interesting statement which I mean, is I, bad I believe, I believe that as well I, I certainly do if as well family, but that's why it's such a it's such a sort of cliche statement and the movie didn't explore it in any interesting way but it's, the thing is they already explored it in the first film kind of it's so like again what, maybe don't do it in this film yeah it's like what you just mentioned before it's like um, it's almost like James Gunn saw, oh, people like this, this, and this yeah. in the first film. Let's do this, that, 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 that again times ten. Yeah, it feels like James Gunn picked what he thought people liked and just tried to give us more. And that's not, I, it's usually not the best way to do a sequel. Sequels that try and do that generally don't do well. It, a proper sequel should treat it almost like you don't have to watch, you can watch the previous film, but you don't have to. And you can just watch this film without having... Accepted. It's almost like, the, I think, this film didn't have its own unique creative vision that was significantly different from the first one. Yeah. Alright. 
Okay. You got anything else you want to talk about, Billy? Um, I want to talk about... Um, look, I mean, I mentioned Mantis yes. as part of um, Drax. I feel like it was almost... Like, there wasn't much to her... Um, other than the, the scenes with Drax, there wasn't much in regards... She was almost a plot device. You know, I actually, you know, I'm going to disagree. I do, with, I'm I just going to disagree with no, you. No, no, no. I do like her as a character, mm. and I like that she and the portrayal by the actress. But I felt like a lot of her scenes when they weren't with Drax, it was mostly propping the storyline along or that about how she knows like the feeding, truth about ego, ego. Oh, so like feeding characters information. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll give you that. Actually, that raises an interesting question. Does this movie pass the Bechdel test? It does. Doesn't? It oh. does. Because, oh. No. I, because, the, like. Gamora and Nebula, but they talk, do. They talk, talk about Thanos. They are talking about Thanos? Yeah. Uh, what about. Is there any Gamora and just. and um, Manta scenes where they're talking about. No, uh, Gamora talks to kind of. Um, no, Gamora talks to Mantis about what Ego is planning. Okay. They don't yeah. talk to each other about something else other than... Yeah, okay, fair. I don't think it passes so, the okay. contest. So we're still at one and... I think one and a half from mm. memory. Um, I wanted to talk about as well just um, Ego himself. Yeah, which it seems like a, a weird... Potentially like a bold move for a film, right? Yeah, like, interesting. Like, I've liked Ego as a character in the comics. He's part of the, you know, crazy... Like the weird cosmic stuff. Weird cosmic stuff. And he is like how he looks like. He's a planet. With a face. Yeah, with a face. Um, and he's been a he's been a villain and also like a uh not not a hero, but he's But it's been like, like a like, character, like yeah. a neutral sort of character. Neutral or villain. Um He's been mostly, I think, a Thor villain as well. Okay. I okay. I, I get. I can see how he's been either in like an Avenger, Avenger or Thor villain, but mostly Thor, I believe. I think he first appeared in Thor comics. Like I'd have to double check that. But um, I did like how they didn't do like because in the comics, um, uh, Star Lord's dad is yes. like the king of another race, like yeah, human, called like who called like Spartax and that well, is Spartax or Spartans or something like that. Stupid, and it, yeah, it's another race of humanoid aliens. Um, and I'll give hats off to this movie. I think, I think making uh, Star Lord the son of Ego uh, was kind of cool, and just getting rid of the Spartax stuff. I think that was a good move and a great example of how the Marvel universe is able to streamline some of the more complex continuity stuff. Yeah, and I like that they said like you know. It kind of explained it well. Like, I have a human form that I can leave the planet with, but I have to come back. I did kind of like that explanation. The rule, yeah, the rules of the character and and the way it sort of explained how he came to be, I think, were, were solid. I don't, and I think you might agree with me, I don't accept his turn, though. It, yes. It, it oh, can we? Let's talk about this, yeah. Much like everything else in the other film, it felt forced. It didn't feel natural. Um... So I don't know if I've talked about this before, uh, Billy, but the idea that I, I, in not-so-great writing, often you feel like the plot is ahead of the characters. Yeah. So the characters are forced in their dialogue and their actions to meet the plot where it's at, but you don't. it's not actually organic because the characters haven't gotten to that plot point yet. Maybe. Like to, that, to, sorry, to where they need to be uh, for that plot point to feel organic. And Ego was a great example of that. Okay, well, 
would you accept his turn more if you had seen him discussing things with Mantis? Like scenes between the two. Because we didn't see many scenes between him and Mantis on their own. I don't think we saw any. When we saw no. them in the distance when she was making him fall asleep. Yes. But there wasn't any other distant talking about his plans. You know what? I think there should have been a scene with him and Peter before he revealed the plan where we kind of begin to get the idea that because he's been around for so long and is such a big picture thinker that he has a disregard for, for, for individual life. Or maybe just like, yeah, as you mentioned that, maybe you talk about, oh, you don't need them. They're not your family. Yes. I'm your family. Because I, I think, uh, and this happens for a lot of like immortal characters in films, they sort of if they're villains, it's because they don't sort of have... They've accepted everything's temporary and therefore don't care about anyone but themselves because everything else will fade away. And Ego says that in his sort of villainous monologue along with a whole bunch of other stuff. And I think it would have been better if earlier that maybe he gives him a pep talk about the fact that Peter's immortal and how nothing else is going to matter and sort of begin to show a bit more of his dark side. Yeah. Um, And I think that, look, the... In that scene where uh, Ego makes his heel turn, I think... What really just jumped the shark for me is when he when he like exclaims that he felt almost felt bad having to give Peter's mum cancer, and I'm like, why? Like that didn't need to, you didn't need yeah, to say look, that. I mean, I figured that was the I figured out. Okay, maybe he was the reason why she died. Him. Yeah, but maybe he could but, say that it was like a side effect. Like the fact that he maliciously gave it to her, it felt very unearned. Yeah, I yeah I didn't as I mentioned I didn't accept the heel, but I felt my jumping the shark. Like I get. That, you know, um, Peter has access to the power, but the the Pac-Man versus... Yeah, that, that I did not like that. I was like... Ooh. I enjoyed the bit where he's talking about making it and, and it, like, exclaims, I'm going to make some weird shit. Like, yeah. that felt like a really Chris Rudd, almost Parks and Rec era, era sort of um, quip. That yeah. I, and I still found that very funny. But yeah. when he actually makes a giant Pac-Man, that was... Just felt like pandering and James Gunn off his leash. Okay. Um, talking about side stuff in the film, the whole, the arc, uh, we've talked about the arcs, some of them felt forced and some of them. The arc with the Ravagers and the mutiny, it felt yeah. more like, look, I get it. It was an interesting arc, but it felt like it was more just a way to get rid of the Ravagers so that it's just the Guardians on their own in the next film. Yeah, with Craglin as their sort of pilot. Yeah. You know, I thought it was interesting how you're meant to like Yondu, even though he pretty mercilessly slaughters his entire crew. I get that they mutinied, but these are people he's like worked with for years and he has no qualms murdering them all. Yeah, but this is the thing. It's like they murdered all the good crew by throwing them out the thing. That's it. But I, I don't think it's that they... I can accept that he'd kill them, but the fact that there's like a scene with him and Rocket and they're almost taking delight... Yeah. In murdering these people, it just felt a little bit off. But don't you realise they're, they're, they're the same person? Uh, fuck off. Um, <laughs> yeah, I... I, th- I thought the scene with Groot was funny, like getting the wrong thing, but that yeah, was too that, long. Yes, I would agree. And this is what I'm talking about, editing. Mm. Um, I think it's a common theme in this film, though. There are some solid jokes, like the original, like, Taser face joke okay, works, yeah, but then they, they, they take it way too far. Oh, no, I didn't mind the taser face jokes. Like, when he called up the Sovereign, that was fucking hilarious. Oh, when they laugh. Yeah. yeah. I like that. But um, I'm more talking when Rocket, like, has that sort of two-minute diatribe where he keeps making taser face jokes. Yeah. Um, 
And look, and all we've left with is Craglin, which is, you know, it has to. I mean, James Gunn has to give his brother. A I was job. about to say, I now that Gilmore Girls is done, like, what other jobs are there out there for Sean Gunn? Yeah. Um, also, that bit where they're traveling through hyperspace, it was cool. No, but it no. went too long. No, that's what I mean. Like the whole. It Why went was that too there? Long. It didn't need to happen. Because there's no through... consequences of that. It literally just felt like a scene for to do some funny, like, what yeah, looked like Photoshop that's, effects. That's what I mean, but it felt like an, a hand in Easter egg. Because yeah. if you pause it, you can see various things. Like, I read, I didn't see it, There's a you see a planet of the rock people that are in Thor Ragnarok. Yes, yeah, I think I, I think I faintly remember that. And then it leads to something that we'll discuss later on yeah. in the show. Yeah, we oh, we will discuss it. It will um, be discussed. Yeah, so, I don't know. And then talking about the Sovereign, I liked them as a people. Hmm. I don't, like, okay, so Aisha in the comics, um, she is built, she is in the comics and she is built as this perfect human, like, well, not human, but this perfect... Humanoid alien. Yeah, humanoid perfect being sort of thing, no imperfections. Yeah. So like Um, Beyonce. Yes. Um... She kind of does look up like a golden Beyonce in the comics, actually. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like there's almost a pop star sort of quality to her. like a. But I don't know if there's like a full-on race in the comics. I know there's just... A real, like, I guess like one. a few... Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And also, there's her and there's also the male version, which is him. Like in the comics, it's called her and then him and him is... Her, as in the, uh, the, the movie starring... <laughs> Uh, the guy from Walk the Line. Yes. Um, who, who, Joaquin Phoenix. This is the second episode in the row that I've forgotten his name. Um, and then him, who is um, Adam Warhawk, which not many people oh. know, but is referenced knew, in one of the post-credits. I knew that, yeah, I knew the name. I'm not familiar with the character. I thought the Sovereign were a cool concept. They yeah. like, where like each individual is like genetically perfect, so they're like basically snobby dicks. Yes. Like, I th- thought it was great. I thought, um... And the video game drones? Yes. I, the, the, surprisingly, I really enjoyed that. I, I think it could have, if, he, if it was pushed any further, that yeah. idea, I think it would have been corny, but it just, I think it just I, worked. I also liked uh, Ben Browder um, as the cameo of the Sovereign Admiral. Now, do you know of him? I do not. Have you ever watched Farscape? Uh, that's one with the puppets, isn't it? The, fa- the TV show Farscape. Yeah, with the puppet. They're, they're in space. Yeah, there is yeah. one alien that's a puppet. But uh, yeah, he's in that. Okay. He's the le- like the lead actor in that film, series. He's a titular Farscape? Captain Farscape? He's in a lot of sci-fi stuff. He's in Stargate as well. Oh, crossing yeah. franchises. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know. Shall we... I think that's it for pickups. All right, shall we talk about... Do you want to do a Stamwatch? Or do yeah. we want to talk about the Stingers first? No, let's do Stamwatch. Okay. Um, I am conflicted, Billy. I'm not sure if he's Stanley's cameo in the Avengers, where he says superheroes in New York, or this cameo where he has a freaking boring ass conversation with the with the watchers is worse. You might hate me because I actually kind of don't mind this. All right, why why do why do you not mind it? Because it makes out it kind of is interesting in that like it kind of proves a theory that. All oh. of Stan's cameos that he's a are the same person, oh. which is kind of, uh, but I like that. I did thought it was a waste. 
of the watches if they wanted to bring them in. Now I did they, like the... Now they've sort of introduced them in like a really unceremonious way. I completely forgot about it when I watched the second time. I was like, oh my god, it's the watches. Yes, amazing. I do like the watches. It's kind of cool as a concept in the comics. These, it is like, one of the more uh, I comic booky concepts of the Marvel like universe. A comic book voyeur. They watch yeah. everything. They watch all cosmic events, big things that happen, but they cannot interfere. And a lot of the times when well, they, they have no, interfered... Okay. They when decided they have inter- that. They yeah. can if they want. They, they can if they want, but they're not allowed to. It's against their... Like their code. Their code. Mm-hmm. And a few times Uatu, who is the watcher, watcher, of, Earth, or? watcher of Earth and Earth's current universe, he has interfered in the past. He's helped out like the Fantastic Four to defeat Galactus and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. Um, he gets his hands dirty occasionally. Okay, yeah. do you want to do Stingers? Yeah, let's do things. There was a lot of them. Oh yes, I was I was trying to remember what things there were, and there were a lot. Um, I've got the list of them. I'll okay, I'm gonna get you go through because I can't remember the order they're in. Um, okay, so Craglin takes up Yondu's telekinetic arrow and yes. Trophin, which is clearly going to play a role either in Infinity War or Guardians Volume, the inevitable volume Guardians Volume Three. three. Uh, the Ravager Leader, leader Starkar Ugard, reunites yes. with his ex-teammates, so they can pretty much form, form a, like a team, like which they were in the comics before the original, mm. as the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, so I didn't know they the original Guardians, so I thought because I'm an idiot, it was a reference to like Expendables. I thought it was a whole bunch of oh, like cool. actors from the Expendables series, yeah. like the like the space expendables so the guy the the um it's kind of cool you might not know this but the guy that's the sort of um reptilian worm looking dude yeah who has his fingers like this and like in a uh hang ten sort of stuff like he's almost doing magic yes um in the comics he's a sorcerer supreme from another dimension that's cool yeah okay i like that um but in remember billy they don't do magic in this they just manipulate mystic arts um uh we then see groot has turned into has grown into a teenager which is interesting because that would mean this is a a post credit showing the future well because he's because he is teenage flash forward james gunn has said on twitter i believe that groot in in um, Infinity War, it's teenage group. So I think when we jump forward, that is to the timeline of Infinity War. Yeah, um, I I actually enjoyed the I quite enjoyed the teenage group. Yes, and then like, and I like the idea of Star Lord as reluctant disciplinarian. I think oh that's very funny. Now that you mentioned, I, there is one thing that I hated in this film, and I'm hating Only it one in, thing. in Infinity War. Star Lord's beard, Ooh. his his chops, like no, no they're fan. just ugh, and his mo. Like, you've got a better mo. I, wow, okay, that, that was, that felt like a really insulting compliment, so thank you? No, it was, he had, look, I I don't like his mo and the weird chops that he has. They almost remind me of like, um, you know Community, the guy, Starburns? Starburns. (laughs) It just reminds me of that, kind of. You know what is interesting You that you've mentioned Star-Lord's beard is I think it's a movie shorthand for like, I've, I'm rugged and aged and have like seen some shit and learned he's had a beard. No, but because he's got a beard, uh, Cap's got a beard, and I'm pretty sure some of the other, I'm pretty sure like, Winter Soldier's got a beard, like everyone in this film just has stubble or a beard (sighs) in the Infinity War trailer. Um, so the next post-credit is Aisha creates a new artificial being. Yes. With uh, whom she plans to destroy the Guardians. Did she call him Adam? Okay. So I couldn't Adam Warlock. And the cocoon, mm-hmm. um, is actually, um, 
if you look at the like uh, comic book references for Asia and Adam Warlock, that is the kind of cocoon that they were born out of. Okay. Which is I like that that they reference the comic. What do you call it? A co- a cocoon. Um, moving on, um, okay. the last post yeah. uh, is a group of uninterest, uninterested watchers leaving Stan Lee. That's right. So they were sort of cosplaying you. <laughs> just annoyed at Stan Lee. Yes. Um, look, before we jump into our next segment, I just want to, I just want to quickly say uh, that I know we've talked a lot of shit about this film, uh, and but I think I do want to bring up that I think for for me personally and I, I, I can hear what you think Billy I think part of the disappointment was the first one was so good that I think a lot of people and mine included were high and I this film is fun yeah but look it's but not... I think it just I just wish there was a bit more substance and they spent a little bit more time with the character work yeah, I not... want to like this film more yeah look I like the film but it's not and it's not a shit film it's just I'm disappointed no, no, no. it's not as good as the first film yeah that's For sure, um, and you... again, I've said this, but I'm saying it again. I think James Gunn is a really talented director, and I think it's really clear that he has really vivid ideas of what the story is going to, how the story is going to play out on screen, and how how to how to look. Um, that was in the first Guardians, and that was very strong in the second film. I just think he does a better job when the script isn't one that he's written. Mm. Um, look. All right. Do we, do we want to jump? Do we want to jump into? If you like this, read this. Sure thing. All right. So if you like this, read this is where we recommend you some comic book reads. Uh, some will offer. Usually, we'll do some that are Marvel comics that feature the uh, the characters in the film, and we'll also do some non Marvel uh, recommendations as well. That kind of that you'll you'll like if you sort of like the tone and the the plot of this film, or in some of the uh, not so great Marvel films. Uh, they're often comics that are better versions of the character than what the characters and what we saw on screen. So, would you like to go first, Billy, or would you like me to? You can go first. All right. I'm pretty sure I said this comic for the uh, for the first film. But I'm going to say it again. It is uh, Saga, which is from Image Comics, illustrated by Fiona Staples, written by Brian K. Vaughan, and it is a space opera, uh, and it is a whole lot of fun. And it is both fun, funny, and it's also quite deep and moving. And it is all about family. So again, thematically, uh, sort of treading the same waters that this that this um, film was. Mm-hmm. But unlike this film, I think it has a lot of really interesting and thoughtful things to say about family okay. and what it means to be a family. Um, I I mentioned this in the last one, but I wouldn't mind mentioning again. Yeah, of course. Um, the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy run by Dan Abnett and Andy Lemming. Which were, of course, mentioned in the credits of this film. Yes. Because this team is based off that their lineup, I believe. Yeah. Um, so what are some other ones that you want to talk about? All right, so I would like to recommend the uh, Rocket Raccoon run. Yes. The, re- the most recent one, which was written by Matthew Rosenberg for Marvel Comics. Okay. Uh, which, uh, uh, in which Rocket Raccoon is stuck on Earth and he's just sort of, he's very pissed off and angry about it. He doesn't like Earth, he doesn't like being trapped on Earth. Okay. No, that's good. Um, there was a Star-Lord series like that as well. Yeah, I think it's the same thing. Like, it was called, like, I assume the Rocket Raccoon one's called, like, Rocket Raccoon Grounded, because Star-Lord was Star-Lord Grounded. Yeah, um, and I wouldn't mind recommending that. That was written by... A Chip Zdarsky, art by Chris Anker, the yes. master of male cheesecake. Yes. Um, what about yourself? Alright, so the last one I'm going to recommend is Invincible. Okay. Uh, with art by Ryan Otley and written by Robert Kirkman. Because I, I know... I'm trying to remember when it sort of pivots to this. 
but I would say all throughout the series, but particularly near the, the later half of it, it's sort of, I think they're wrapping the series up now. It's like a 150 issues deep. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the, uh, the series had, does a lot of space stuff really well um, and has sort of a cast of cosmic characters, uh, including Alan the Alien, who plays an increasingly bigger role in the book. Uh, that sort of, and some of that, the space stuff of the book, has a, a fun Guardians vibe to it. But again, because Invincible is a superhero book, it has a superhero flavour. Um, my last one, and yep. it's sort of a mix of Spider-Man and Cosmic, um, is Venom Space Knight. But that series was good? Um, it was, wasn't too bad. It was written... Just because the concept sounds like it could be not good. No, um, so it's written by Robbie Thompson and oh, wow. the art is uh, Ariel uh, Olivetti. Now, what happened was Venom, so uh, Venom becomes like an agent of um, sort of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. the... The host is not Eddie Brock. The host is Flush Thompson, um, who is like, you know, Flush Thompson after high school became part of the army. Um, now he joins the Guardians of the Galaxy, and so he's almost like space cop, essentially. So sort of like a Green Lantern esque sort of. Role. Yeah, but as Venom, and it's actually really cool. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, that's the rest of my comics. All right. Well. Uh, look, before we, we wrap up for this episode, I, do we want to tease that we've got, we got a special one coming up next next week? Yeah, so next week we have... Oh, sorry, next episode. Next episode, that's right. Yeah, We're doing we, a double header. Yes, we have... Uh, we are doing Spider-Man Homecoming, mm. and we have some special guests on the show. The uh, Podcast Strikes Back team is joining us. And how many, how many are of them are there? Because I thought there were two, and I just found out that they're not two. There's... No. There's three of them. It's just, it's just a lot of people. Yes, yeah, just a I'm lot keen, of people. I'm keen, but I mean, now you're making me do two things that I, I don't want to do, which what, is rewatch Marvel films and interact with other people. Uh, just grow a backbone, will you? <laughs> anyway, that's been us. Uh, you can find us on geekofoz.com um, or Wushaka. Um, yeah. where our podcast is located and we're also of course on iTunes if you could rate and review us it yep. helps new people find the show and it would be much appreciated just google to infinity war and beyond and you should find us we're Easy. also on Facebook Geek of Oz um, you can find me on Twitter Aqualek and me on Twitter at Weekly Geek um, so that's been us alright till next time bye